Uh, if you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Epic, and I want to say welcome to our uh, gardening show. All right, I've got a few props up here today that are going to help us learn something. Uh, I'll get back to that in just a minute. Um, but before we do that, we are in the middle of a series. We're actually towards the end of a series. We're in part four of a series called Your Questions, Biblical Answers. And this series is based upon the questions that our church family asked several months ago when we gave everybody an opportunity to ask any question they had about faith or about Christianity. So we got a lot of questions turned in. And what we did is we took those questions, we put them into categories, and we came up with the top five questions that we're trying to answer based upon the questions that you are asking. So here's some of the questions that we've dealt with so far. First one is, you know, when your brain goes blank, that's not a good thing. All right, so maybe it'll come up on the screen. I'll remember that. There we go. So if God is so loving, then why does he allow bad things to happen? Uh, If you've gone through a bad thing, you've looked around the world and have seen the difficulty uh, that happens around the world, maybe you've asked that question. And and when you're in a a moment of struggle, we say like, God, if you were really so loving, then why is this happening in my life? Second question is this. Are we allowed to have faith and doubt or can we only have one or the other? And sometimes that's what we feel like. If I have faith, I'm not allowed to have any doubt. Or if I have doubt, I can't have faith. So is that true? The third question that we dealt with last week was this. What happens after we die? We're all going to die, but what happens next? And so we looked at that from a biblical perspective. God has a lot to say about that, and it's very important for us to understand what God has to say on that super important subject. Now, today we're going to answer this question. A number of you were asking, I have faith, but how do I grow it? Like, I want to have more faith, but how do I grow the faith that I have? Or how do I grow to have this faith that I really want to have? Like, how do I do that? I'm not exactly sure how to do that. So we're going to use these props up here to help us learn how to do that. Because a very interesting thing is that growing faith is very similar to growing plants. So Jesus talked about that in several of his stories in the Bible, and we're going to use those stories to help us learn a little bit about growing the faith that we have or the faith that we want to have. So as we begin this morning, I'd like you to to, uh, do me a favor. I want to brainstorm some things with you. So I have a little plant up here today, and this is a watermelon plant. Anybody like watermelon? Love watermelon. So I'm praying that this little fella will grow to produce like 20-pound watermelons. Wouldn't that be great? And we could share it together at our next church picnic. So um, what I need some help from you is to brainstorm, how do we help this little plant grow to its full potential? So this is an opportunity for you, if you're new with this, to participate in the service by talking out loud, and it's really okay in this time frame. After that, don't keep talking. All right, so right now is a great opportunity. How can we help this thing grow? Water, we got to give it water. It needs sunlight, yes. What was that? Fertilizer, yes. Somebody else? There, there, I heard something about there. I hear feeding it. Did I hear weeding it? Good location, there you go. That was the one I was looking for. Location, anybody else over here? Yes. What was that? Oh, love the plant. Like sing to it and uh, care for it and cuddle it and rock it. Yeah. If you do that kind of thing, that's awesome. You should. Maybe they'll grow better. Okay, great. Somebody else had one? Bigger pot. Yeah, like if we leave it in this, it's, it's not going to do real well long term. So great. 
Thank you. That's awesome. We're going to use some of that to help us when we're talking about growing our faith. So when you look up here and see this little plant today, I want you to think about your faith. And maybe for some of you, this represents your faith very well. Maybe your faith is just beginning, and there's a few little sprouts there, and it's kind of tender, it's kind of new, and it's, it's looking for the sunlight, and it's looking to grow. Maybe you've had faith for a long time. Maybe you've had faith for you know, 40 years, 50 years, and, and the, the plant of your faith is, is really strong. I'm not exactly sure the condition of your faith, but um, when we're looking up here this morning, think about this as your faith, and how do we grow this? to its full potential. Now, if you are a Christ follower, I'd like you to think for a moment back to the time in your life when faith really started to grow in you. So when was that moment? It could have been last week. It could have been 50 years ago. I'm not exactly sure. So when did faith really start to sprout in your heart and really start to grow in your life? For me, that happened in 1976. 1976, uh, my family lived in Michigan, and uh, we lived in an apartment building. I was five at the time, and for those of you who are trying to figure out math-wise how old I am, that means I'm 44. I'll save you some time. Okay. So I was five years old. We're in our apartment, my mom and I, and I'm sitting at our, our kitchen table drinking a glass of milk, and I look over at my mom who's washing dishes, and I asked her this question. I said, Mom, what does it mean to be saved? I'd heard that in my life. My parents had me in church when I was, uh, from the time I was born. And so I'd heard that concept, but I didn't fully get it. And so my mom wisely stopped doing the dishes, came over, opened her Bible, and explained a few things to me. She explained that Jesus loved me so much, he died on the cross for me to pay for my sins. And at five, I understood that I had sinned. And I was hoping my mom wouldn't ask me if I had sinned lately, because I didn't really want to tell her at that moment, like what the sins I had done that past week. Uh, But I understood at five, like I know I've done things that that have hurt my relationship with God, that have hurt my family, have hurt my mom, hurt my dad, hurt my siblings, hurt my friends. Like I got that. And so she explained, you know what? Jesus died to pay for your sins. And he also did this. He died to save you from a place called hell, and he died to save you for a place called heaven. And she said, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you follow him in your life, then a couple of things will happen. You'll have God living with you, guiding you every day in your life, growing this faith that you want to have, and you'll get to spend eternity in this real place called heaven forever. So at five, I thought that was a pretty fantastic deal. And so I folded my little five-year-old hands. I bowed my little five-year-old head. And I said, Jesus, would you come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior? I believe you died so I can live in Jesus' name. Amen. Little sprout started to grow in me, in my heart. And it was a little tiny sprout. It was smaller than that sprout. And that, the, the little sprout of faith in my life, it needed some help. It couldn't grow on its own. So our very first faith-growing principle for today is that to grow strong faith, we have to spend time and energy on our faith. 
And I know that sounds like a no-brainer, you know, when you're, especially when we're thinking about plants. It's like, duh, you got to spend some time around that stuff. But when it comes to faith, sometimes we don't apply that principle. Sometimes we uh, have a, a spiritual moment, you know, maybe we're in a service and, and God moves in our hearts and there's this little sprout that starts growing in us or, or maybe we're talking with a friend or maybe we're reading the Bible or something and, and this little sprout starts to grow in our lives and then we kind of leave it alone. We walk away from it. We don't water it. We don't feed it. We don't weed it. We don't do anything with it. We just kind of walk away and live our lives and do our thing and we expect that it's going to grow all by itself. We think that's God's job. Like, and we come back later and look at it, and we're like, man, that thing looks terrible. Like, what happened to my faith? Like, it, like it's got weeds all over it. Like, it's, it's horrible. Like, I guess God didn't do his thing. I guess maybe I'm just not a person of faith. If we don't spend time and energy on our faith, we're never going to grow strong faith. Several years ago, my wife and I got this amazing idea. We were going to stop paying money to Publix because we were going to grow our own produce. It was going to be fantastic. Like you were going to come by my house and buy our produce. It was going to be so amazing. So my wife and I were brainstorming and dreaming about all the wonderful things that we would eat. So we went out one day and we bought all the stuff that we thought we needed. So we bought seeds and plants and soil and cow manure and, you know, just like all the, the stuff that would help our plants grow. And we spent a day getting it all together. I built a planter box and we had all kinds of pots around and man, it was amazing. We got everything planted and took good care of it. And we would go out every day and water our plants every day. We'd see a little weed in there, and we're like, what are you doing here? Bothering my plant. Get out of there. And we would get those weeds away. We'd see little flies, little bugs. I'm like, what are you doing? So we like, did a little research, and we created some organic bug spray, you know, because we're green and everything. So we like, sprayed it all down and you know, took good care of all of our little plants, and it was amazing for like several weeks. It was just awesome. Then life got busy, and then we didn't go out as often to water our plants, we didn't go out to weed our plants. We didn't go out to shoo the little bugs away. And then one day I walked out and I found that we had grown this amazing weed garden. It was, it was amazing. I'm not talking about pot either. You know, that's not what we were growing in my backyard, just so you know. We were not growing pot in our backyard. Okay? It's weeds, the real weeds, like that. So I walked out and I'm like, what happened? Like, look at that. Like, I thought it was supposed to just grow on its own. It doesn't grow on its own. Like that, weeds come along. Like, we've got to just take time and energy and effort to grow our faith if we want to have strong faith. Next principle is this. There are certain things that we have to give to our faith. There are certain things we have to keep away from our faith. So when it comes to giving certain things to our faith, it's kind of like plants. We talked about that. It needs sunlight. It needs water. You know, um, we need to add maybe some miracle grow now and then or something to feed it, help it, help it grow along. There's some things we add to our plant life to help it grow to its potential. So brainstorm with me out loud. What are some things that we need to do to add to our faith life to help our faith grow? What? Prayer? Yes. Powerful. Reading the Bible. Powerful. We'll get back to the Bible in a second. Community. Small groups. Being connected relationally. Anybody else? Serve. Serve. Fantastic. Go to church. You guys got them all. Way to go. I mean, there's more, but you're the, the ones I was looking for. That's awesome. Way to go. So great. So those are some great examples of things that we need to do on a consistent basis. So my question is for us, are you attending church enough? 
Awkward question. I go like once a month. Do you want to have great faith? Like once a month is probably not going to be enough. Um, are you in a small group? Ah, I'm kind of a private person. I don't really do that. Yeah, you, it's really going to be difficult for you to grow the faith that you want to have if you're not connected with a small group of Christ followers, people that can speak truth into your life and help you grow. Are you praying enough? Well, I talk to God. Do you ever listen? That's a struggle I have. I talk a whole lot. Sometimes God says, just shut up. I'd like to talk to you. Like, so what's your prayer life like? Are you reading the Bible enough? Yeah, I read it when it comes on the screens at church. You know, I get a daily email, and I read a verse. Are you reading your Bible enough? The Bible is like miracle grow for our, soul, our, our souls. Sorry. So the Bible is the primary way that we grow our faith. So we have got to become lifelong students of this book. We've got to read it on a regular basis. So if you're new to the Bible, I've got a few recommendations for you. The first recommendation is this. Get a Bible that you'll use on a regular basis and use it on a regular basis. Okay? Sorry if that sounded really simple, but it is. So get a Bible. If you need a Bible, we've got Bibles in the back of each seating section. Take one as our free gift. Take 10 as our free gift. They're free for you, for anybody who needs a Bible. If you prefer the digital version, I recommend the version app and the New Living Translation. A great app that you can use that help you grow. It's got some Bible reading plans. There's all kinds of ways that you can grow in a digital format or a paper format. For me, I use my digital Bible each week and almost every day. I use this more. I prefer the Bible in print. I love my hands being on it. I love flipping the pages. I like writing in the margins. I like writing questions. I like writing illustrations in the corners. I can see, like, I may not exactly know where something's in the Bible, but I can see it up in the top right-hand corner, and I drew this little face in the corner to help me remember where it's at. So for me, this is what works. But whatever works for you, find it and use it. Use it to help you grow your faith. So it's super important for us to spend time reading the Bible. Here's another thing that you can do to grow your faith, and that is to grow in your Bible knowledge. That is, uh, at our Connection Center, we have a spiritual growth challenge that you can pick up each week, and it just helps us to take what we're talking about on Sundays one step further. It just helps us go a little bit deeper in what we're learning on Sunday morning. So bring your Bible to church, open it up, look at it, read it, take notes, and read that throughout the week, and you can use the spiritual growth challenge to help you dig a little deeper. Also, another thing you can do, if you're brand new to the Bible, you can go to theepicchurch.com under our resources tab. There is a spot there that called, it, the title is Starting with God. And it's got some articles there that can help you understand a couple of things. Like, uh, how is the Bible put together? This is a big book. And it's a little different than most books uh, that we read. So like if, if you're new to the Bible, you may pick it up and start reading in the beginning, like Genesis. Like that's what you should do with a book, right? That's what we would do with any book. Pick it up and start reading in Genesis or at the beginning. And then you get to Leviticus, you're going to be pulling your hair out. You see what happened? I've read the Bible enough. I've pulled it all out. It won't grow anymore. So you've got to understand how the Bible's laid out. 
There's an Old Testament part. There's a New Testament part. There are certain books that are grouped together and they have a specific purpose, like the Gospels and the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're about the life of Jesus. So when you understand that, oh, I'm reading about the life of Jesus from these guys' perspectives. So when we understand how the Bible is laid out, we can grow our understanding of this and it can grow our faith as well. You'll be amazed at how much you can learn about the Bible if you just commit some time and energy to spend time in it. And you bring it with you, you read it, you do a little study, you do a little research, and you will have better knowledge of Scripture in a really, really short amount of time. So there's some things that we need to add to our faith to grow our faith, and then there are some things that we need to pull away from our faith, some things we need to keep away from our faith to help our faith grow strong. So here's a couple of those things. One is we got to keep bad soil away from our faith. Bad soil can harm a plant and keep that plant from growing. It can actually kill a plant. And weeds can do the same thing. Weeds can kill a plant. Weeds can kill our faith. So here's an example for both. Um, At my house, I have resodded our house, front yard and backyard, four times. Super fun. My kids love it when they see the pallets of sod out back. They're like, oh, no. Run, hide, go do something else. Don't let dad find you because it's sod day. And and I rip up all the old grass and I get it all raked and looking great. And we lay sod and we're all dirty. And I feel so great because it looks so amazing. We water it. And then a, a month later, it starts dying up the middle. And then it spreads across my backyard. And then all of a sudden, a few months later, I'm like, I just invested all this time and energy and money in this thing and it's dead. What in the world has happened? So my father-in-law, being the brilliant guy that he is, said, hey, you should get your soil tested. I'm like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. So he went and had it tested. Guess what? We have bad soil. We can throw all kinds of sod on that. It's never going to grow until I fix the soil problem. Jesus talks about that in Matthew 13. He says, some of us have a soil problem. And he also talks about a weed problem. He says, some of you have let weeds come into your life and those weeds are killing the faith that you have and the faith that you wanna have. So listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 13. So Matthew 13, he's telling what's called a parable. This is called the parable of the, the sower or you call it the parable of the soils. He says this, he said, listen, starting verse three. A farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on uh, fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And the disciples said, we don't understand. And so Jesus explained it in verse 18. He said, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. That is represented here today. I've got a pot of soil, nothing in it. I see that happen in the context of of our lives as a church family. I talk to people, people about faith, or um, maybe you talk to somebody about faith, and they get this glazed look over their eyes, and they're like, I guess I'm just not a person of faith. That's for you, not me. And 
those seeds of the gospel that's trying to be planted in somebody's life, they're just taken away. They don't grow at all. Verse 20 says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have troubles or problems and are persecuted for believing God's word. So that's represented here. And I see that happen all the time. People come into church excited about what faith can mean for them, this new path. Wow, this is amazing. God could do that for me. And then there's this sprout that happens and life happens quickly and all of a sudden there's these great things, there's great growth, they get involved, they start serving and then life comes along and smacks them down. Some difficulty happens. They're like, "I, I thought it meant if I was following God like everything would go better. And if this is what it means to follow God, if it's gonna get harder, like I don't know if I want this faith. And then their faith dies. Verse 22. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. This is represented here, all the weeds. Weeds come along. We're trying to grow faith, but there's some other things that we like to hold on to as well. And we, we want to grow that as well. And sometimes we're like, I want to grow this weed in my life. I like this weed. I like what it does for me. Um, I'm going to hold on to this. But I'd like to grow faith as well. So God, maybe you can grow some faith in, in me. And yet what happens is this type of weed starts to kill out the faith that we're trying to grow. And here's some examples of how I see that happen. I see somebody come new to, to church and they're excited about what's happening and the growth that's going on in their lives. And then all of a sudden they'll come up and they'll tell me, like, like hey, I, my job changed. I got to work on Sundays now. I can't come to church anymore. I got to tell you, I am so deeply sad for them in that moment. Now, I understand people work on Sunday. Um, a lot of people don't think I work on Sunday, but I work on Sunday. So I understand that. I get that. But sometimes we pull ourselves away from the very thing that's going to help us grow. And I honestly believe this. God cares so much about our spiritual growth, he can provide a job that's outside of the context of Sunday morning. It's possible. And I think that might be a faith-testing moment where God comes along and says, are you going to trust me with this? so that you can grow your faith and stay connected to a church family. Another way that I watch weeds pull people away is through relationships. Somebody's growing, super excited, and all of a sudden they say, hey, God brought me this person. Like, this person's in my life. I wasn't looking, and here they are, and this is great. I love it. And I told them, come to church. And they said, sure, I'll come to church. They're not a person of faith, but, you know, hey, maybe I can help them find faith. And then I watch over time where that person who doesn't have faith pulls the person who does have faith away from the faith that they want to have. There's all kinds of ways that weeds can pull us away from the faith that we want to have and the faith that we're desiring to grow. Verse 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So that is represented here. So some seed falls on good soil. And it grows in abundance. And this is God's desire for us. Now, this parable is the saddest parable in the Bible to me. 
because 75% of the farmer's seed is unproductive. 75%. That is so incredibly sad to me. And so when I hear this parable and I think about it for my life and I think about it for us, I think we have to ask some questions. If we're looking up here this morning, you see these, these four different pots and the soil and the, the, what, what has been produced in these soils. I think we have to ask, which soil am I? You know, our hearts is, is, is the soil that our faith is growing in. So what's the condition of the soil of your heart? Is it hard? If it is super hard, you're not going to be able to grow faith. Is it shallow? If it is super shallow, your faith will die quickly. Is it caught up in weeds, the cares of the world? Is there something you're pursuing more than you're pursuing God? If so, the weeds are going to choke out the growth that God wants to happen in your life. Is the soil of your heart good? Do you take the seeds? Do you take the growth that God gives? Do you take the stuff that God adds and do you allow it to grow in its abundance? Again, this is the place that God wants us to be. Now, this is a really stupid question, but I'm really good at asking stupid questions, so humor me for a moment. What is the purpose of an orange tree? This is not a trick question, I, I, I swear. The answer is not Jesus, okay? And in church, the answer is always Jesus. I get it, it's not. We got a guy raising his hand right here. To eat the fruit, okay, before you eat the fruit, you got to what? You, yes, you got to grow it. You got to get oranges. Purpose of an orange tree is to grow oranges. Purpose of an apple tree? Purpose of a grapevine? Purpose of a Christ follower? Fruit. Yes, listen, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that God wants to grow in our lives. That's what God wants to see happening over here. All different kinds of fruit that happens in our lives because our, our heart is good soil. So are you growing that kind of fruit? Is that kind of fruit evident in your life? Would other people look at you and go like, man, you are more loving today than you were like a month ago. Like you are more gracious today than you've been before. Like you're more gentle than you have ever been. I'm watching growth happen in you. We're gonna get back to that in just a minute. So that's all like gardening 101 principles. Okay, now we're going to shift into graduate level gardening. And you probably didn't even know there was a graduate level gardening, but in, in this show there is. Okay, so hang on. John chapter 15 is where Jesus enters the graduate level gardening. And he uses another illustration that represents agriculture, represents produce. And he says this in verse one. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do Nothing. 
Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you, will, you may ask for anything that you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So here's some principles from that passage. Number one, we cannot produce fruit apart from God. It's not possible. We've got to remain connected to the vine. We have to. Now, we get that concept when it comes to looking at plants. Like, we understand. Um, you know, this is a, a branch from a crepe myrtle tree at my house. Cut it off this morning. And I love this crepe myrtle tree. It, it usually produces wonderful flowers. It's just a beautiful a tree. It's, it's fun to look at. And, um, but this branch right now is going to do nothing. But doesn't it look good? It looks pretty healthy. It looks okay. Not going to last very long. Why? It has been severed. It has been cut from the trunk, from the, the, the source of its life. And, you know, in our lives, we can't grow apart from a deep connection with God. It is not possible. Sometimes we think we can. Sometimes we, we grow a little bit and there's some spiritual life happening. And then we're like, you know what? I got this on my own, God. Like, I'll, I'll handle it for the next few years on my own. I'm going to go my own path, do my own thing. And we kind of sever ourselves from that connection with God. And then we wonder, like, how did I end up like this? Like, how did my faith die? How is that possible? Well, we severed ourselves from deep connection with the, the true vine. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 10. This is how we remain in him. He says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So Jesus says the way that we remain connected to God the Father, the way that we, we stay in touch with the vine is through obedience. It's not through good intentions. And so often we put our hopes on good intentions. Like, you know, I, I intend to go to church regularly. I intend to get in a small group. I, I intend to read my Bible. Like, I, just, I really have great intentions. I want to do that. And then we don't. And we leave our, our faith all by itself, and it withers and dies. And sometimes, again, we're surprised by, like, like what happened? Well, we weren't obedient. We pulled ourselves out of the stuff that helps us stay connected with God. So here at Epic, we processed through that as we were starting the life of our church, and we thought, you know, what are the things that we need to stay focused on in our relationship with God? And so we came up with a simple way for us. Uh, this may be too simple for you, but I'm kind of a simple-minded guy. I need simple things. So we call this the 5G life. And if you're new with us, here's what the 5Gs mean. God, grow, gather, give, go. So first... God wants us to talk to him every day, and that's something called prayer. And there's two parts to a conversation. It's praying and listening, talking and listening. And sometimes we're real good at talking. We're not great at listening. The second thing is grow by what we're reading in the Bible. So we read it and then apply it. So it's not about just information. It's about transformation. That's what God cares about. When we read something, we should apply that to our lives. The third is gathering with a small group of Christ followers to learn to live in biblical community. We were never designed to live by ourselves. 
God wants us to learn to live in the context of relationships that help us grow. The fourth G is give of our time, talents, and resources to advance God's kingdom. The fifth G is to go everywhere telling everyone about Jesus. Now, if you would like a simple reminder for that, we have little wristbands that we make available at our Connection Center. I wear one almost every day. And I use it on a consistent basis to evaluate my life. So I'll look down at this and I'll ask myself periodically, how are you doing at that? I'll read through the five. Say, how are you doing with God? And there are moments that I say, you know what? I'm not doing great in my prayer life. I talk a lot. I don't listen enough. And God says, listen a little bit more. And so I try to make those adjustments. And I just read my, my way through that. And that helps me grow. Now, if that's too simple, um, again, there's other ways that you can do that. But that helps me stay focused on the things that I need to do. Now, someone asked this question as we were getting ready for this series. They asked, okay, we understand the five Gs, but is there anything more that we could be doing to grow our relationship with God? And there are a lot of things that we can do. And I'm going to talk about a couple of them. And they were found in verse 2. They're not super exciting. Just have to warn you. Jesus said in verse two, he said, God prunes or God cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Now there's debate about what Jesus meant when he was talking about cutting off branches. There are some people that think, well, that's proof that you can lose your salvation and you can end up in hell if you don't stay connected with God, if you're not doing the right thing on a regular basis. I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. There are people that say, well, those people weren't really Christ followers. They were doing right things. They kind of looked like, you know, the real thing, but they weren't the real deal, didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so that's kind of what Jesus was talking about. I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about either. Jesus was talking about fruit. He was talking about bearing fruit. So he's talking about, hey, if there's not fruit happening in your life, like that part might be cut off. And there's other stuff that Jesus does to help us grow more fruit. Jesus said, or God said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he changes from illustration from agriculture to building. And the author says, listen, there's this foundation of a relationship with God. You have to start with that. Now, anything that we build on top of that has to be stuff that will last forever because one day we're all going to be tested. All of our works are going to be tested and they're going to pass through God's refining fires. Anything that we do that is like working with wood, hay, or stubble, like, like I'm building my kingdom, not God's kingdom. Like it's about my reputation, not God's reputation. Like I care more about me than I do about God. All that stuff is working with wood, hay, and stubble. So all that stuff is gonna be burned. And we won't get to carry that with us into eternity. But the stuff that we use to build God's kingdom That stuff will last forever. What is that stuff? Fruit of the Spirit is an example of that. That When we're building that stuff, when we're focusing on the five Gs, when we're focusing on growing more to be like Jesus, when we're focusing on telling other people about him, those kind of things help us build stuff that will last for an eternity. That's the kind of stuff that God wants us to be focused on. Now, there's two principles in this passage. Number one is discipline, and number two is, is pruning. So first, God disciplines those of us who are Christ followers who aren't producing fruit. Doesn't that sound like fun? It's not. Proverbs 3, 12 says, the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Hebrews 12, 6 says, the Lord disciplines 
those he loves. So if you're a Christ follower, and if there's a season of your life that you are not producing fruit, God will come alongside you and discipline you out of his incredible love for you. He wants you to produce fruit. So he will discipline you like a loving parent disciplines their kids. And I gotta tell you, I've been on the receiving end of uh, multiple discipline moments in my life, and they're not fun. But they're great opportunities for us to recognize that we're off track with God and to allow ourselves to come back on track with God so we can produce fruit. And if you're, if you're a parent, you have a kid, hopefully you understand that concept. If we don't discipline our kids, we're showing we don't love our kids. But we discipline our kids because we love them and we expect more out of them and we want more for them. So God might use that principle of discipline to help us get back on track with God. Now look at what God does with those of us who are producing fruit. So those moments we're producing fruit, verse two says that he will prune us. That's represented by these pruning snips I have up here. Doesn't that sound like super exciting? Hey, God's going to prune my life. And this is where most of us, when we are producing fruit, we say, God, what are you doing? Like, I'm producing fruit. There's good stuff happening in my life. Like, go pick on somebody who isn't. Go discipline them. Like, if you need a few lists of people, I'll tell you. Like, that person, go discipline them right now. And God says, like, I'll take care of them, but I'm focused on you right now. Discipline and pruning feel similar. But, but pruning is about God making space for more fruit to go. You saw that. Why does God prune? So more fruit can be developed in our lives. It's not about that we're doing something wrong. The reality of pruning is that we're doing something right. And God wants to make more space for us in our lives so that we can have things that will last forever and we can be involved in things that will last forever. Now, aren't you super um, curious to know, like, how do you tell the difference between these two things? Anybody? Me too. So, like, I'm hoping you'll figure it out and tell me because there's moments I'm going like, I don't get it. What's happening here, God? Well, here's what I think that we should do in those moments. I think we should ask God. When you're experiencing a painful thing, I think we should ask God what's happening. So it could go like this, a conversation where you say, God, open your mouth. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're driving, you're at work, you're at home, whatever. I, usually when I'm driving around town, I'm talking to God and I'm saying like, God, what are you doing? Like what's happening in my life right now? I feel pain. I feel like the, the, the pruning snips are being used in my life. What's your purpose? Are you disciplining me? If you're disciplining me, point out the sin. There might be a sin issue in my life that, that I'm just ignoring. Like I'm trying to hold on to a weed and I've got you know, God kind of on the back burner. So if there's a, a, a discipline issue, God, if God will reveal a sin issue to you, then respond. Ask and listen and respond. Say, God, like I am so sorry. Repent of that. Turn away from that. Say, like, God, help me overcome this sin issue. I want to get back to a spot where I am producing fruit. Now, in that process, if God doesn't reveal a sin issue, then there's a really good chance it's a pruning issue. And here's what we need to do when we're being pruned. Discover joy in the process of that. And I know that sounds a little bit weird. But what that means is you're doing something right. And God is trying to create more fruit in your life. He loves you. 
That's why he's pruning your life so that we can have things that will last for eternity as they pass through God's refining fire. So in those moments, we have to trust, okay, God, I've asked you if there's a sin issue. You haven't revealed a sin issue in my life right now, so I'm trusting this is a pruning issue, and I will let you prune me. I will be pruned by you, and I will adjust, and there will be more fruit that happens as you, the gardener, are working in my life. So those are some of the the graduate-level principles of gardening, responding to God's discipline, and allowing God to prune our lives. Now, as we come to a close today, I've got a list of questions that I want to ask you that I want you to process through. These are some questions I've been asking myself lately as well. And uh, as I get to the end of this, our worship team is going to come out and close us out in a final song today. But, but just listen to some of these questions. I really want you to evaluate your life and spend some time um, looking at yourself. Scripture talks about evaluating ourselves on a regular basis. So consider your life. Like, you could even look up here and look at these different pots and say, like, like, like what's, what's my life represent? Where am I at on this faith-growing journey? First question. What's the condition of your heart? Is your heart hard? If it's hard, you're probably not going to be able to grow faith. Is your heart shallow? If it is, you might see some sprouts come up, but as soon as life gets hard, that faith is going to die. Is your heart distracted? Are there weeds in your life? Are you trying to hold on to a weed and grow faith at the same time? You can't. You've got to give up the weed to grow the faith. Is your heart fertile soil where you can produce 30, 60, 100 times what was planted in your life? Is there anything that you need to give to your faith? Is there anything your faith like really needs? It's lacking. Is there anything you need to take away from your faith, like keep away from your faith, so your faith doesn't die? How about the fruit of the Spirit? Is that growing in your life? Do you have fruit? If you have genuine faith, you will have fruit. Do you have fruit in your life? The fruit of the Spirit, is that growing? Can you see it? Can other people see it? Is God disciplining you right now? If he is, will you respond to that sin issue? Will you repent? Will you turn from that? Will you come back to God? Is God pruning your life right now? Is there any way that God is pruning, maybe snipping a few things off, and it's a painful process, and you, know, you have an opportunity to grow bitter out of that and go, like, God, if this is what it means to follow you, I'm producing fruit, I don't want it. Or will you allow God to create the opportunity for you to grow more fruit? Here's what I hope that you'll do during this next song and then this next week. So during this song, what I hope that you'll do is you will process some of those questions and you will determine the condition of the soil of your heart. And then you'll determine one thing you need to do today or this week to grow your faith. What's that one thing that will grow your faith? And then as you go throughout the week, I hope that you will look at plants a little differently. 
Like maybe you'll go home and look at some of your plants a little differently than you have. Maybe when you're at work, you'll see plants in somebody's office and you'll look at them a little differently. And, you know, if you go into somebody's office and see a plant like this, like don't get on to them about not taking care of their plant, okay? Like water it for them. And then let that plant speak to you like it's truth. Like let God use that plant to, to ask you, does your faith look like this? I don't want it to look like this. What do I got to do to make sure my faith doesn't look like this? If you walk into somebody else's home or, or somebody's office and they have a, a plant that looks like this, it's abundant, let that plant speak its truth to you that, of what God wants us to know. This is the kind of life, the faith that God is, is wanting for us to grow. So let that plant like, be a, an object lesson where we say, that's what I want. What do I have to do to grow that kind of faith? So let's pray together, and then uh, we'll process more of those questions. Lord, I'm so grateful that you use object lessons all throughout Scripture. Um, Lord, you know I have a simple mind, and I need simple things like that. I need things broken down. And when we see the disciples asking, like, what does that mean? I feel like me all the time. I'm reading the Bible going, what does that mean, God? What are you trying to say there? And God, you want to teach us. You want us to know these things. You want us to know that growing strong faith is, is similar to growing plants. We can use the same principles if we apply those to our faith. So Lord, there's people here today at all different stages in faith development. Uh, there are some that don't have any faith, kind of have a hard heart. God, I pray that they would work hard on their heart and they would soften it just a little bit so that they could grow, they could create the right kind of soil. God, I pray for those that have shallow faith. Lord, you don't want us to have shallow faith, stuff that sprouts up quickly and then dies when life gets hard. You want us to grow to have deep faith where our faith can grow strong and be a resource to us and other people around us. God, I pray for those of us who are trying to hold on to a weed and grow faith at the same time. Lord, it's not possible. I pray that today would be the day that we would walk away from that weed that's trying to kill our faith. And we would focus on growing an abundant faith that, that can be 30 or 60 or 100 times as productive as what was planted in our lives. Lord, that's your desire for all of us. So Lord, help us to determine the, the current condition of our faith and help us to pick the one thing that we need to do this week or today to grow faith that's strong in you. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen. Cool, you can go ahead and have a seat. Good morning and welcome to Epic on this fine spring day. My name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors on staff and we are so glad that you are here with us today. If you are a guest, thank you so much for joining us today. And if you have any questions about who we are, uh, please stop by our Connection Center as we would love to meet you and answer any questions that you might have. Well, I've just got a few announcements. Uh, the first one, in two weeks is Mother's Day. So this is your reminder, if you need a reminder to treat your mama well, all right? So in two weeks is Mother's Day, but also we are doing a child dedication for part of that service. And so if you have a young child, an infant, or a child who's never been de dedicated to God, uh, here at Epic, we do more of a parent dedication with 
uh, their children. And so if you're interested in that, check out online uh, that part of our site and then sign up for that as that is in two weeks. And then in June, we are sending 37 students to camp. So that is an amazing number. Yeah, you can go ahead and celebrate that. So... That's almost twice as many as last year. And so middle schoolers, high schoolers, and don't worry, we're sending some volunteers or maybe you should worry for the volunteers, uh, be praying for them especially. Uh, But we are sending 37 students uh, for one week of summer camp. And at camp, they're gonna hear some great speakers, be challenged in their faith, uh, be challenged in their relationship with God, connect with their small groups as we do small groups within our student ministries. And I can't tell you enough about how important summer camps are. It was at summer camp that I was challenged to become a pastor. And there are so many life decisions that these students are going to make that will be so uh, forever impactful on their lives. Last year, we had three students put their faith in Christ and were baptized at camp. And so it's an amazing time for students to be able to get away, unplug, and plug in to God. And so uh, camp is kind of expensive, all right? So there's lodging, there's travel, there's food, there's all these speakers, bands that they bring in and everything. And so it's $450 per student. Now, a lot of them are doing great things to be able to get that money and go to camp, but some are gonna need some help. And so would you consider giving above and beyond what you normally give and give like $10 or $50 towards camp or maybe even $450 towards camp? Uh, But if you could help us out with that, that would be fantastic. And if you would like to do that, if God's pulling on your heart to do that, uh, you can give through our giving boxes or online and just put in the memo line, just put student sponsorship and that would help out greatly with some students. And we can't thank you guys uh, enough of what you do. Uh, You are so generous um, in terms of helping people uh, to be led into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you'd like to partner with us and give financially, there's two ways that you can give. Uh, You can give securely online at theepicchurch.com or through our giving boxes located at the end of each section. Now, last Saturday... Again, being generous, you guys did an amazing time. There are over 130 of you that went out for our 3G Saturday to serve. And so we want to highlight that in a moment here. But let me just tell you one story. So we do Habitat for Humanity on a regular basis where they build homes uh, for those who are needing help uh, with housing. And the project lead who's over or who works in Habitat Uh, So we've been doing this for, man, six and a half years now. And he is always looking forward to coming, for us coming out. He says, I know that I can give Epic a whole lot more than I'm planning to get done, all right? So he stacks the work. Now this time they were doing tile work and he said, you know what was so impressive? That I did not have to rip up any of the tile. Normally, like when volunteers do tile, I have to rip it up or something like that because it wasn't done just right, but it was done perfectly. So way to go if you were on that team, which was amazing. But he said, you know what? At Epic, you guys must have like a a requirement. Like in order to be a part of Epic, you must have to work hard or something. So now when we hear that, that is awesome because that's what we want to do. We want to show our community that we are for them and that we work hard to show exactly who we're doing it for, and that's God. So way to go on that. And so check out this video that highlights what you guys did last week right here in Flagler.